everybody, Brianna here. We were so excited to get to this week's Apple news with the big iPhone 7 event yesterday that I forgot to bring up the most important thing about this week's show. And that was thanking uh, the Relay members that sponsor Rocket. Just in case you don't know, um, we do have a mechanism through Relay.fm where if you really love our show and you want to support the people that make it, uh, you can basically subscribe and you get a bunch of special episodes. So we did two specials this week for our members. One of them is over on Disruption. And if you uh, subscribe over to Disruption, another show I'm on, you get a special where Simone and Christina compete against Micah and Steve in Mac OS X knowledge. So what this is, is we took the Apple certification test and I just surprised them with it. And I asked a whole bunch of questions and you get to see which of the shows knows more about OS X. Um, Over here on Rocket, we did another special for you. And um, what we did is uh, they have an event coming up soon, a women in tech event, and they contacted us and asked us to uh, basically do a show Uh, talking about some of the most famous, awesome women figures in history. Um, I know this sounds boring, but the show is freaking awesome. Like we're going through uh, Hedy Lamarr is one of them. This is a woman, if you didn't know her, you would think she was made up. She was a movie star from the 30s. She's gorgeous. She's like this breakthrough inventor. She contributed a ton to the World War II effort. And like, she's a woman in tech, as well as like a Hollywood legend. So completely awesome. Anyway, both of those um, specials are out there if you are a Relay member. So if you are, please go download them. And if you are not, please consider subscribing. We definitely appreciate it. On with the show. Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace and Trekker. I'm Simone DeRochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I am joined by Brianna Wu, head of, head of development at Giant Space Cat, and Glenn Fleischman, senior contributor at Macworld. Our own Christina Warren is, of course, at the Apple. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> she's not at the Apple event literally right now, probably. She's probably writing furiously post-Apple event. She's probably at a bar right next to the Apple event, like typing furiously on her MacBook. She's so probably that's chatting up Tim Cook with yeah, James Corden yeah. at, at her side. Probably. <laughs> oh my gosh! So it was a it was a big day today. Like honestly, uh, we were covering this at work, and I I was kind of vaguely listening to it at the at the time it was happening because there was just a lot going on. I was on, trying to be on top of a lot of things. And during the event itself, it did not strike me as being an incredibly exciting announcement. What was your what were what were your first takes on everything that was on the Apple event today? Gosh, I had the exact opposite uh, opinion. You know, just before we started recording this, Christina Christina brought one of her uh, pieces out talking about how she felt like the iPhone 7 was much bigger uh, than she had originally thought. And I very much agree with that assessment. Um, you know, Glenn, we were talking before the show. You said you thought this was more of a, a tick year instead of a talk year. And I definitely agree with that. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of meat here. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I feel, I feel excited about about these products. How do you feel, Glenn? Well, I yeah, I wasn't expecting that much, and I feel like I got more than I expected. So we know a lot more typically before these announcements now because the it's very um, Apple used to not be this leaky, and now it's leaky like a sieve. <laughs> and um, we kind of knew most of the major things, but I was surprised about the things we didn't know, um, including I was really trying to find information about the two lens system that's in the iPhone Seven Plus. And although we knew there were going to be two lenses, we didn't know all the features I'd, I'd pre-written a story in fact based on what i speculated i had to go and fix some of it i was pretty good but so were a lot of people uh but the but i thought you know uh you know we knew there wasn't going to be a headphone jack that turned out to be accurate we were not sure about a lot of parameters about like how apple was going to manage the transition what would be included what things would cost um the watch we weren't sure i think the features that are in it were pretty well known, but I don't think anyone predicted Apple was going to go full Garmin on the watch. I mean, basically, yeah. mm. it's not that they've abandoned the watch app market, but I think they understand what the watch is now. And they're like, okay, we get what you want. And here's a device that's really focused on the stuff that people really want. 
It's, I mean, GPS and the more precise tracking and the everything is oriented towards what I think uh, a goalpost that I think Garmin set with a you know slightly clunkier uh, device that's oh, not as terrible. well integrated. It's terrible. I don't <laughs> but, know but if people, you have one, but yeah. No, I know yeah. people like the Garmin because it's got the, they like the GPS being built in. They like certain things about it and they wanted a better version of that. And I think this may be that more than what the watch was originally being announced for. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Uh, Simone, I'm very interested to know why did it not, um, you know, for me, it's always interesting to, to get perspectives of people that don't, you know, follow Apple religiously. <laughs> like the point that, you know, <laughs> like I've been doing this for a really long time. So I'm, I'm curious what really struck you. Cause I think for you me, have a fresher that, perspective. That was my first impression. Yeah. Like I said, that was my impression immediately after, uh, watching the event, uh, having now since finally getting off work, read more about it. I still, I still, I guess what I feel is, the event itself, I it seemed like there wasn't a lot of fluff there. Like the the Apple Watch things that they talked about didn't seem very excited to me. Exciting to me. It was it all felt very very fitness focused. Um, not a lot of things that were very new and cool to me in that sphere. The iPhone stuff for me, huge technological advancements definitely, but no surprises to be honest. Mm. If that makes sense, because yeah, we, like you said, we've talked about the headphone jack is not going to be around. There have been rumors about the double camera on the Seven Plus. Uh, we've been talking for years about how we want them to kill the sixteen gigabyte model, and they finally <laughs> have done that. Um, yes, they did, and the sixty four, I guess, as a <laughs> a casualty. <laughs> uh, so, like, really, definitely, really exciting things, good things that I think are moving the technology forward. The A ten chip, too. Um, I don't. I guess I just wasn't. I wasn't like completely blown away, shocked, like jumping out of my seat, screaming. Which I don't need to be. That this is not like I'm not disappointed because sure, I was not sure. surprised. But it felt like a very like solid. We are on track moving forward kind of event. No, I get it. I get it. Like, remember when Captain America 3 came out and everyone was like, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like, I was really expecting a bad movie. And I went and saw it. And I'm like, oh, this was okay. Like, that's how I feel about today's Apple events. So, yeah. but, you know, Glenn, I think it's very interesting because in you know, previous uh, you know, tick years, I guess you'd call them, uh, you know, we've had Siri, we've had, uh, you know, 64-bit architecture. Uh, yeah, this year, ID. it's really Touch ID. This year, it's really the camera. And mm-hmm. you wrote just a fantastic piece about that. So, I mean, tell us everything. What's what's going on with oh, it? Yeah. Oh, I just misspoke. Touch ID was a talkie. This is the confusing thing. Like, I go on the TikTok cycle was, Tick was a case like a form factor and some minor right. things and talk was usually flagship features like touch ID, but then it doesn't always fit the pattern. This year is like the tick. There's no tick. It's like tick tock talk. Right. And the talk right. isn't as big as the, anyway, before I go into clocks, <laughs> usually, um, but, but, I think it's two tick years straight for me, two t- but anyway, tick, tick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, I was, I've been fascinated by computational photography for years, uh, since the Lytro camera came out and I got deep into that. I wrote about it, um, extensively at the time and I thought it was a little gimmicky. That was the light field camera where instead of capturing like, uh, through the lens, instead of capturing like one pixel or one image sensor roughly corresponds to a pixel, they're using a groups of image sensors to capture not just the color and intensity of the light, but also the direction from which an individual light ray Comes. And then you can reconstruct an image from that and change the focal plane. Um, and that was a very specific, almost gimmicky piece of hardware. But computational photography is behind like high dynamic range HDR images. And there's all kinds of things you can do when you have two or more images. So two cameras or images in rapid succession or video. And so I was like, okay, this is great. Two cameras or an iPhone, what are they going to do with it? And I thought they would do, uh, I thought they would probably do bokeh, which is what they did. So that's that sharp foreground, usually portrait, you know, picture of a person in sharp focus and the background is this nice hazy out of focus, like lights that are sort of blurry. <laughs> um, I, I figured they would do that. I was surprised by the, uh, interpolated zoom that they're uh-huh. doing. So it's got a real 1x wide angle and a real 2x telephoto lens. And if you slide between 1x and 2x, it's entirely, 
it's a combination of optical and computational. <clears throat> Excuse me, because if they were just interpolating, you it, it wouldn't work. Right. You wouldn't be any better. But they're doing uh, you know some kind of process that is taking information in a rich way and combining it so the one to two x zoom should look as natural as either one or two x. Can and I so say I something about helpful. that, Glenn? Yes. Um, you know, this is uh, this is something. It's a common computer science, uh, you know, like test or project you can work on. So you can have two bitmaps, and I'm I'm not going to get into the math on it because we're not that kind of show. <laughs> but you know, the truth is, if you have one image and you're trying to do a bicubic downscale on it, you know, you're obviously going to end up with artifacting. One of the ways that um, you know OS 10 manages to get any kind of icon at any kind of size and be you know perfect razor sharp is because you do give it two images and that interpolates between the two um, perfectly. So this is um, just from a mathematical point of view, this makes a lot of sense that that would work up to a certain point. Yeah, I love uh, – that's a perfect explanation. That's much better. I don't have the – I don't do that part of the map. Like, oh, <laughs> right, good. Right, I right. figured you know about texture mapping and bit mapping and interpolation. It, it's – yeah. So you know, if you don't have information, you can't get information from no information, although there's really cool stuff going on that you can see in <laughs> academic papers where they take what seems to be no information and they can reconstruct photos. It's fascinating. So we'll see <gasps> more of that too. It takes a lot of computational – power. But in this case, they have two cameras. So they're doing kind of the basic things you can do. Like Bokeh is coming later in the fall. Later in the fall is a software update. Uh, they described it as, you know, extra credit project. I love Phil's description. <laughs> I love that. I thought yeah. that was the most artful way to say it was not ready on time as possible. It's, like, it's an extra credit project for the engineers. They're trying my to get 100 is, this year. Yeah. My <laughs> suspicion is they said, look, we have two lenses. What can you do with it? And they had some blue sky. They had some fixed things like we're going to do this particularly to solve these problems. But come up with other stuff. We're going to have a whiteboard full of ideas and whoever can, you know, and then we'll see what's implementable. And this is one of them. But there's all kinds of things you can do. There's a camera called the Light L, was it L16? That's uh-huh. this bizarre thing that has 16, uh, 16 or 24, is a ton of lenses, like it's 18 lenses, I think, six each of three different focal lengths. Oh and goodness. you can take them all and combine them. So you can have lenses, like you can have a telephoto and wide angle combinations. You can have simultaneous. Because once you do this, uh, so, I mean, high dynamic range is the easiest one to explain because everyone has it in their yeah. smartphone. And you're like, okay, I take a picture that's overexposed and it's underexposed and you go together and suddenly you have a perfect range of exposure, sometimes almost hyper real. That's the technical explanation. Um, and, and But you can do the same thing with like all these other things. So let's say I want a photo, I want a stereoscopic photo. It should be possible because I've got a wide angle and telescopic or telephoto one, it should be possible to take that and do, um, and with image, uh, so the bokeh feature, the portrait feature in the uh, 7 Plus uh, uses object recognition. So they're using their machine learning power to do that. So it can identify the person in the photo and use that essentially their silhouetting in real time, I think, maybe mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and so you could do the same thing with focal. So conceivably, they could produce a stereoscopic image with two different planes where they cut objects out in each plane and put them in the different eyeballs. So Can I tell you one of the most exciting things that I read in your article, which was uh, two cameras shooting simultaneously could remove blur. So if someone turns their head, it could be snapped back into static focus, which to me says immediately it's going to be way easier to take photos of cats. Because they always <laughs> freaking move. They're always turning their heads. That should have been in the, in the keynote, Simone. Like, they should have had a cat on stage. Literally, and to that take would pictures. sell the phone. Like, oh, you're going to take a cute photo of your dog. Oh, but it moved because that's what they always freaking do because they know. They know. <laughs> conceivably that's not in the software yet and because they chose two different focal lengths it may not be possible but i was looking at some papers this morning i was checking details and there are hilarious academic papers where you look at two photos that both are blurry and the resulting computational image 
is like the person standing still. And you're like, okay, I don't see how this works, but they can look at the differences to figure out the right pixel value, even though someone's in motion. Um, so because, you know, again, because of the difference in photo size, it may not be as possible, but it should still be because some of the pixels will be, ha you know, have half the area or some will have twice the area, uh, relatively speaking, because the focal length is, uh, you know, one to two ratio. It's a one X wide angle, two X telephoto. But anyway, the, so all these things, cool. I'm, I'm going to be talking to um, uh, photo app developers about what they're going to do with this, because ostensibly all these features are going to be available uh, to developers. So they'll be able to tap into two cameras. Uh, iOS 10 allows devs to get access to the extra wide color range and to raw uh, photo the raw file for the first time as well. So there's Can't all this cool that. stuff. Oh, that's huge. That's so huge. So, so, so this kind of oh, house, sorry, uh, go on. Oh. Yeah. No, I was I was going to say like um it was really surprising to me to see them use the word bokeh so much in this event which has a, a very I mean, again I'm not trying to be like math geek today but like when we were reprogramming Rev60 to have a you know depth of field simulation yeah. like I'd read all this math about recreating a bokeh effect and it's you know we simulate it by getting like a, a hexagon and blurring it out but it's a very specific um it's a very specific mathematical algorithm. And the reason we used it is because it's relatively computationally cheap as opposed to, you know, like if you're doing uh, motion blurs repeatedly in Photoshop, like you'll see your CPU max out <laughs> along the way. Um, I don't know. It, it looked really beautiful. It looked natural. But it also makes a lot of sense because in the keynote, they were showing how they were using, um, you know, they don't have you know, real 3D sensors, they're, they're detecting, you know, depth the same way you do with like texture yeah. maps and depth maps. So it's really, um, it was just really cool to me to see this in the, in the keynote because it's stuff we use every day in Unreal. Simone, are you interested in 3D or 3D videography? Do you do any of that or is that something? Oh. Um... I've done a slight amount of 3D work in After Effects. Um, it's, it's very, it's something that I am definitely interested in but it's not something that I do with any kind of frequency. Well, I'm curious about like stereoscopic, uh, like, I mean, a lot of the uh, publications like uh, New York times has been using the cardboard style, um, 3d VR, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the low end yeah. stuff with a smartphone. And I'm thinking this could, and Apple didn't advertise it that way, this way, but conceivably with those two cameras, you should <gasps> be able to shoot VR oh. stuff or a, whatever you call yes. it. VR. It's Slim. real world. That yes. is genius. Yes. That is genius. I can't believe I haven't seen analysis of that. Of course. Well, it doesn't There's have the traditional the thing. Most we found the actual good hot take for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's weird because usually you have two identical focal length cameras that are further apart to get yeah. the separation, to get more depth in this case. But I think it's totally possible. Um, and I just think it's, you know, there'll be a third party developer is going to come out with it maybe before Apple, unless Apple has a particular reason, there'll be something that'll be like, you know, AR shooter or whatever, or not AR. What do you call, what do you call real world stereoscopy? Is it, it's not VR, it's real. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no 2D, idea. 2D or Would it's like, sort of like you're shooting 3D, but it's, I don't know what it's called. Your eyes. <laughs> that's so, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. So, Glenn, do you think that, uh, like, you know, Christina was talking about she's very frustrated she's going to have to get the bigger phone. Um, I already I use know. an iPhone 6 Plus, so, you know, to me, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm thrilled. I'm like, yeah, another reason to look down on this small iPhone people. I mean, do you think that this is going to be a feature worth, um, you know, some people going to the bigger phone for? Oh, yeah. I'm seeing my friends who are photo people on Twitter this afternoon going, oh already like you know they don't, they don't want the bigger phone and i'm thinking i need i will need a seven plus for testing i don't really want it to be my daily phone because i am a pocket phone guy and it works for me <gasps> yeah. but i may have to change my behavior because i i want to be able to test and use this especially as apps come out and apple releases new um software updates for it. I think we should talk yeah. a little bit about the hardware differences between the two iphone 7 yeah. so the 7 plus and the 7 so Obviously, with the removal of the headphone jack, what they've done is create more space, which in the 7 Plus allowed for the dual cameras and in both phones allowed for a Taptic engine um, in place of the home button. Uh, increased battery life. I have the stats from this very well-written BuzzFeed article. Um, it's, do I have the stats? I had them. Is it four, two, hours, two hours more? Uh, I don't have the number for me. I think it's 20. They, there I love, we I go. Love this yeah. Idea. Uh, in the seven plus, the battery is five percent bigger. In the seven, it's fourteen percent bigger. So two more hours in the iPhone seven, and one more hour in the seven plus. 
Um, so that that that's definitely a big deal. That's something that people have been wanting for a long time. Uh, yeah. So cameras, haptic engine, more battery life. Um, these and like I was saying, like I was saying earlier, these are all like really their their quality of life changes. I feel. Yeah, definitely. Though I have to say, like you're talking about the um, the slightly bigger battery inside of it. I think that's why I was so surprised to see um, stereo um, included on there because if you look at the amount of space you need to do, you know, a a stereo chamber at the top of it, Mm. it's probably not as much space as they were using with the headphone jack, but it's going to be non-trivial. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. That was just a really surprising choice that they made because anyone that's serious about, you know, audio on their iPhone is going to be using headphones anyway. Or pairing it to wireless speakers or something. Yeah. And uh, waterproofing, I think I haven't had this problem, but like, I think people who wear bras, and this is a lot of people I know, this is great. <laughs> the bra toilet waterproofing connection. This is huge. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I am familiar with this. I'm very familiar with Gosh, this. Speaking, speaking of waterproofing, actually, brief tangent. So, Apple's Twitter account popped up this week. <laughs> and of course, one of the first things that happened was just as the keynote started, they accidentally posted early a video that revealed the waterproofed iPhone 7, Yikes. which <laughs> the reaction on Twitter seemed to be, this is why, this is why you didn't have a Twitter. <laughs> it's hard. It's a hard life. It's very hard for Apple. Yeah. No, that was uh, it definitely stole a lot of their thunder today on Twitter. Yeah. So. I mean, we all kind of knew that that was one of the things that was coming, but still, but still. So, okay, should we talk about, actually, you know what we should talk about? Squarespace. <gasps> I hope it's a sponsor. It is. I hope it's a sponsor. Sorry, yes! I spoiled it for you. Yes! All Spoilers. This right. Squarespace. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. The simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, a website, or an online store. And you, you can start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Listeners, do you know what I actually did this week? I made a Squarespace website, finally. Awesome. I was like, this is, I want want to get like down and dirty with these tools. And I did get down and dirty (laughs) with those tools. And I made a website uh, for my pen name. So that will be in the show notes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It was very self-serving. You have a pen name. We well, okay. We won't. Wait, ruin I thought Simone de Rochefort was your pen name. Simone yeah. de Rochefort is my real legitimate <laughs> name. You can't make uh, up a name as good as Simone de Rochefort. Mm-hmm. So I write is books. It like so I made basically an author website uh, for yeah. myself. So yeah. I had. I, I'm not n- not a store website, but just I wanted to showcase different things. I wanted it to have a blog uh, or a news update page where I could just post new stuff. I wanted it to have pictures and landing pages for different books. And I did that. And it was actually a lot of fun. I I had already like created a free website like with Weebly. And I was like, this is going to be a pain in the butt. Like I'm going to have to – I like, do I really want to like switch over to a whole new service and make this whole new site and everything and then make that my thing? And after I had like gotten halfway through building the site, I was like, I can't go back. I can't go back. I'm really committed to this. <laughs> I completely like the, the look of it. I like so much better. Um, the tools are definitely like it was for me personally. There were some complications along the way, just navigating all those many, many menus. But in the end, the website that I ended up with, I was so happy with like it's it's super simple and I feel like it looks pretty classy and I was able to get all those pages that I wanted in there and like upload all the photos and stuff and then like customize the favicon and customize like the image that shows up when you link to the website elsewhere which I don't think I had ever figured out on the other service before so that was really important to me to have it not be something super ugly like when I link to it on Twitter or something um and it was really fun like I, I was in there like Tweaking and twonking, twerking <laughs> with my pages. Literally, like, it, not because it took a long time, but I was just like, I have to, I have to keep going. Is it, is it midnight? I should go to bed, or I could finish working on my website. I did that uh, anyway. So that was like my on and off for 
a week or so. Uh, so basically, yes, Squarespace tools and templates that are easy to use. If you poke at them for a bit, and they can help you capture every detail of what exactly your website is trying to be. What's that message that you're trying to put out into the world? Are you? a budding author? Uh, do you just want like a cover page to show off your resume or something? Uh, do you want an online store? You can totally do any of those things with Squarespace and it takes away all the worries about hosting or scaling or what to do if you get stuck with something because they do have help services uh, through text and through email 24-7 um, and that and also like pages on like tutorials on their website that will help you figure out what exactly uh, you need to do. And there's no level of coding required. I tested that myself by not knowing how to code. (laughs) Way to go, Simone. I know. It's taken me 25 years to get to this point of not knowing how to code. Very proud of you. Very proud of you. I know how to code. You know what site I use for my websites these days? I use Squarespace. <laughs> and I hey, know how to code. And I don't want to code they're anymore. Awesome. They're awesome. I don't want to, co- awesome. want to code anymore. I, I really do hope, Simone, for your like your pen name book jacket. It's just like a picture of you, but like with glasses. And you're just wearing glasses. <laughs> and you're like, no one will know it's me, Simone de Rochefort, or a mustache, either one. That's I literally that the be... best idea that I have ever heard. <laughs> it's going to be like my Superman Yeah, no, that's it. No one will be able to tell who you are. Oh my gosh. Uh, Can't wait to see that site and not tell people it's you. Well, I mean, I feel like it's, I'm not going to like promote it on my personal Twitter, but I'm not going to make any secret about it being me. Like it's 2016. (laughs) But I'm also not going to promote it during the time when I'm promoting Squarespace. Um, So if you want to sign up uh, to build your own Squarespace website, you can do that. Uh, If you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name. Oh my gosh. That's super important. That's another huge pain in the butt thing that Squarespace has said, no, let's take the pain in the butt and throw it in the garbage. No more pain in the butt. Squarespace. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. And again, if you decide to sign up at squarespace.com, you can use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Rocket. If you just want to go like tweak and twerk and twonk around with their tools, you can totally tweak and twerk and twonk all that you want. And at the end, you'll be like, crap, I've made a website that I love. I'm going to pay for that. I'm going to support Squarespace and I'm going to support Rocket and I'm going to get that 10% discount and launch my sick website to the universe. Yes. Squarespace.com. I am literally telling uh, Relay that this episode should be called Tweak and Twerk and Twonk. <laughs> like right now, I'll just sitting in the episode title. All right, cool. Uh, should we talk about Headphone Again? Should we, I, should I we think just we get really to it? have to. <laughs> I have more camera things. No, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There, there is more, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. With the, the after hours with Glenn Fleischman, that's just like Four all camera. the amateurs and. <laughs> exposure and all those other words that are great okay so as we knew apple did away with the headphone jack um and the the exact the exact predicted reaction also happened i'm trying not to be because i i do personally find it obnoxious i'm sure i will find it obnoxious when i upgrade to the new phone yes it is like kind of crappy for consumers and i'm also very over the the hot takes on twitter at the same time so i kind of like yeah it's crappy but just suck it up and deal with it guys yeah. um so that, that's that my would have reaction. been a good keynote moment yeah <laughs> scott forstall well, just pops out yeah. i mean it was a yeah. little oh yeah it was a little much so, a little much yeah that specifically so it, it was introduced with, you know, killing, killing, killing the, uh, the headphone, the iPhone jack, Jesus, killing the headphone jack takes courage, which is like, ah, and then you're gonna bundle the dongle in with it and then sell your $159 headphones alongside it. That being said, the technology that went into these headphones is pretty cool. So the AirPods, as they're called, um, $159, they do not ship with the phone, um, and they use quote unquote, they use Bluetooth technology, but it's Bluetooth technology with quote unquote special sauce. So there's a W1 chip that's uh, that's in the device that is apparently more effective than Bluetooth. Obviously, it hasn't been like tested in the field by reviewers yet, so we don't have like actual super 
solid information about like the pair, like how keeping them paired and everything and switching from device to device, et cetera. Cause they do work with iPhones and Macs and, um, since we started recording the show, though, Christina has um, you know posted uh, first impressions of, of them, and mm-hmm. you know she says they feel exactly like earpods do in your ears, which means I can't buy them. Oh no, uh, they fall out of my ears. I hate them. Um, but she says that pairing is super easy. It's dependable. It's awesome. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking um, not. I mean, sorry, really, I was. I'm not sure, speaking very clearly. Not just of like the initial pairing process, but like the living in your daily life with Bluetooth head Bluetooth headphones, keeping them paired. Um, that that's more what I'm referring to. But yeah, I think I may have a minority opinion here. And you know, Glenn, I'd love to know your feelings on this too. But um, I am one of the people that was frankly happy they were moving away from the from the the you know wired connection because I I have Bluetooth. I never use headphones that don't have Bluetooth and you know, for me, it, I'm not going to lie. It's a bit of a pain. Like on the Beats headphones, you hold it in for like three seconds and it will de-pair. And then you go to the new device and say connect. And it will just connect over. Um, it's a bit of a pain. But it's not that big a deal. Um, to hear Bluetooth, like you'd think it was like from the analysis on Twitter today, you'd think you were talking about trying to get an 80s fax machine to work. I mean, <laughs> it's not that bad. It is. It's really not. Now, I agree that obviously it can be improved um, and simplified. It looks like Apple did that. But I mean, is it really that bad to you all? Because I don't get it. It, the, the actual process itself is not that bad to me. Like, I used Bluetooth uh, speakers in my car uh, for years, and that was fine. Um, I, I think it's it's just the, uh, the painful inevitability, like, the first stirrings of moving towards all Bluetooth as a person who specifically has not used Bluetooth headphones before. And, like, hmm. I'm, I'm totally in the camp of, yes, it will happen. It's inevitable. But, yeah. And uh, I think it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think we had ever assumed that they would ship wireless headphones in with the, the iPhone 7. When what they're shipping with the iPhone 7 is the lightning connected headphones and a dongle and adapter, which is, uh, I don't know. I don't, I just, I kind of, part of me does wish that it was the AirPods because that would be one way to like really get them out to people and be like, yeah, we're committed to this here's the technology. I get that they're way more expensive and that would be, that would probably raise the price of the phone quite a bit, but yeah. yeah. What do you think, Glenn? How, how, what's your position on this? I, I have a lot of mixed feelings. One is I don't, I almost never use the headphone jack because I don't have a commute and I'm not a, a runner. So um, most of the time, uh, you know, when I bike, I don't ever wear headphones. Um, and, uh, occasionally I used to have, I had a, like a walking commute to a co-location or a co-working space a couple of years ago. And then I listened, used the headphones a lot, but I'm like, it's not, I'm so not the person who cares about headphone jack because it's like not a feature for me. So Apple has a webpage. It's like it's Bluetooth support page. And it says Bluetooth should support uh, up to seven devices with a host, host device. And then it says, but you know, if you use more than two or three, it might be a problem. And you're like, this is Apple. Is, I think still on the board of the Bluetooth SIG telling its customers, well, more than two or three devices and you might have trouble. Like That's awfully frank. And so I think there's been, uh, it's not just a perception. I think a lot of people have, uh, depending on the generation of equipment you have, the host device, all these different combinations, I think you can wind up with something that's really frustrating. Um, and then other people have absolutely beautiful, perfect Bluetooth experiences, and it's mm-hmm. just not an issue. So they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we got a, a, a jam box, a mini jam box, uh, several months ago uh, for our kitchen. So we don't have a place for speakers in there. We don't have you know wiring through the house. And that thing is awesome. How much sound it proves is I've never had a single problem with it. And it pairs, I think I've got three or four phones that pair with it, or I mean, two phones, one device. device. So we use it regularly, and it's been terrific. And it's Bluetooth. So uh, I, I don't know. I think I think that's why there's a mixed perception. But um, I was frankly, the thing that surprised me most is Apple included an adapter. And I thought, this is a different Apple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was my thought too. That was courage. my thought too. Courage. And nine yeah, yeah, courage. Yeah. Courage. Here's courage. Here's courage. So it defeats one thing, which was there was an argument that the uh, that this was an attempt to put uh, DRM in the back door by making it all digital. It's like, well, if you're giving people an analog 
lightning adapter, then that, you know, defeats that there unless some stuff won't go over that adapter. But ostensibly, that's not the case. Um, and the other is it's nine bucks if you want to buy more or replace it. And they're including one. So this is not like the lightning to dock thing, which people got really aggravated about. Mm-hmm. And I think Apple handled, handled very badly. I think they should have provided, they should have eaten a little margin and helped people over that hump to mm-hmm. diffuse the anger. This time they're like, all right, we're putting one in. We don't do that, but we're putting one in and it's nine bucks. So, you know. Cool, yeah, about as affordable as, yeah. as you could get for that kind yeah. of thing. I'm definitely yeah. returning to the DRM point. I'm seeing is yeah, that was one of one of the takes. And TechCrunch wrote a piece on um basically called Courage about the uh getting rid of the headphone jack and <laughs> how it was so mean. It was so mean. <laughs> it, it was very mean. And like yes. my I'm gonna my take on this piece, I'm not giving this take on Twitter because I, I don't feel like it. I definitely like the 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 courage angle is hilarious to me. It's like, ah, oh, gosh, really? I do not. Uh, I'm not into this uh, theory slash conspiracy that I guess Apple has taken away the headphone jack to control third party hardware makers like Square, Square Readers um, and like uh, people they mentioned uh, third-party thermometers, other payment systems that plug into the headphone, they're half plugged into the headphone jack. I am not into the theory that they are basically trying to control who gets to use the iPhone to do things by removing this because, I mean, it... No. No. <laughs> first it's just, of all, it's a bridge too far. A bridge too far. First of all, like, adoption... We, we've reached peak iPhone saturation, the number of people who are dependent on these devices and absolutely need to upgrade to the new iPhone this September is probably not that big. Uh, and then moving on further from that, like the old phones are not being phased out for like a, probably won't be phased out for a couple of years at least. Like you can still get a 6S, you can still get a 6, et cetera, et cetera. There are plenty of Android phones that have the headphone jack that will work with these devices. And while all this is happening, assuming that every phone, every modern phone with the newest high-fangled, highfalutin technology suddenly <laughs> drops their headphone jacks, I'm sure that the people who make third-party hardware that work with phones will go, the technology is upgrading. Square already makes a wireless credit card reader they're not being like pushed out of business the technology is moving in that direction yes apple is one of the first not the first because there are a couple other phone models that don't have headphone jacks but one of the first ones to go there but everyone else is gradually moving in that direction and there's no i don't think there's any reason to say like oh the the people who are making like thermometers and card readers that plug into the headphone jack are going to be left in the cold because the market is still like with the headphone jack at this moment, then they have time to update their technology and indeed will be, even if Apple still, even if Apple kept the headphone jack with this cycle of phones, they would still be like working to create devices that use Bluetooth technology or some other kind of wireless technology to work with phones because that's the way that technology is moving (laughs) in general, period. Done. Yeah, I think um, you know, I I I do agree with your point though that I think the word courage on 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 stage. I mean, have either of you guys seen Billions yet on Showtime? Mm-mm. Okay, it's a really really good show, and uh, one of the main characters on there. Um, so imagine an evil Georgia Dow. Um, a Georgia Dow that decided to use her psychology powers to uh, you know, basically help stock traders be alpha males and not care about any of the rules. You know, like, you, what, what gets me is you would think that Apple would have access to, you'd really think that the best people in the business would be reading the script because we all knew there was going to be a huge amount of backlash from it. Um, I don't agree with it. I'm fine with it. I'm happy to see us moving forward, but I understand the public is going to be angry. And I think that like foreshadowing this by leaking this stuff to the press ahead mm-hmm. of time was smart. Mm-hmm. But that word courage in that context, you would just think that some speechwriter or just someone like would pull them aside and be like, you know what? Maybe that's not the best word choice to use here because. I, I just it's it's tacky I hate to say it it's an to use a word, word that I would use to describe the jet black iPhone 
It's tacky. <laughs> Ooh. It's a if, it's a tro- it's a word like I was talking to a friend of mine that served in Iraq um, yesterday. That is a word I would use to like being shot at, <laughs> not dropping. Uh, it just it's especially I, since I, it's I, also. I yeah. mean, this BuzzFeed uh, piece about it, which got uh, by uh, oh my gosh, sorry, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's um, inside iPhone Seven. Why Apple killed the headphone jack? There are a lot of quotes with like people who work at Apple, they're developers, and they all kind of emphasize that it was a practical decision. It made more space in the phone. Bluetooth is fine quality. Now we are moving away from the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. That's not courage in that case. It's just logic and practicality. So it it feels like there's kind of a disconnect there between marketing speak and why they actually made the decision. Mm -hmm. And maybe maybe the marketers just didn't want to have to explain that to the consumer. Yeah, someone, what do you think, yeah. Oh, someone has apparently edited Phil Schiller's Wikipedia page to read, Philip W. Schiller is the most courageous man on earth. <laughs> <laughs> and the senior vice president of worldwide marketing at Apple Inc. I love it. Uh, I love yeah, that. It's a little, it's a little, if, if they had introduced it with like, you know, we've made transitions in the past. And as you know, we've done them pretty well. Remember PowerPC to Intel? Do you remember the 68, you know, the, the original Mac and the 68,000? Some have gone better than not. We've learned a lot, you know? Remember mm-hmm. Rosetta? Like, like we've gotten pretty good at ripping the tablecloth off the table and leaving all the dishes and glasses in place. So you don't have to trust us on this. We, we think we've done it right. We're not breaking anything, but what we get is we get all this extra space. You would think the headphone jack is really small, but it's so much easier to waterproof the phone Mm -hmm. uh, against, you know, uh, one meter. It's so much easier for us to stick in these extra things that you all want and more battery life. It's totally worth it. It's time to make the change. And we're including an adapter in the box. So you don't have to make the transition immediately. Like that to me is exciting, but the courage of change is like, you're hired, Glenn. Yeah, yeah, thank you. yeah. You should give an Apple keynote. <laughs> just, but they don't. There's they, they have such an approach where I think they're trying to overcome this. I mean, people have had. So, I don't think I've seen anyone care that much about technology except like the GIF GIF debate is like <laughs> you know, and even then it doesn't matter. I can call it whatever it wants. My my GIF still works. So yeah, yeah. I love that uh, visual metaphor actually of the pulling the tablecloth off the table that. I feel like they, you could use that in marketing. I'm not a marketer. What do they've I know? Done it. But they've I love done it, it so many times. They've done it. They've done it better. I think they've gone through more architecture and other transitions than any company has. And there's no technology company that has so publicly had to go through so many massive transitions. Mm-hmm. And you know, look, if I have this long running theory, which is that if Microsoft had ripped the Band-Aid off as well as Apple had, and like abandoned Windows 95, there was a point when they were trying to get rid of XP. And if they had just shipped an XP emulator with Vista, they could have completely – but instead, they're like, no, we have to have backwards compa- – like, oh, mm. and Apple just did that. And I thought headphone jack is a different deal because they can maintain compatibility. Um, but it's just not – it's not that painful for everybody, and they, they're easing the pain. They could have just been less hyper- hyperbolic about yeah, it. Yeah, it's all in how you say it. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by – Tracker, the tiny, tiny device that makes us smarter in a smart world where we are not that smart because we have a lot of really important things in our lives and we lose them. We put them places where they really should not be. We think we put them away, but we don't. We leave them lying on a table somewhere like our our keys, for example, and then we forget them and we're very, we feel very foolish and we regret it. But listen, if you ever lose one of those very important things to you, like, say, your phone, your keys, etc., you will wish that you had Tracker. Tracker is a tiny device that you put on the object that you're trying to keep track of, and if you lose it, then you have this, the device is paired with an app on your phone, you pull it up on your phone, and you're like, please, where's my device? And it shows you, it shows you on a map where you have left the thing that is so important to you. Say that you don't have it on your phone, you got the app on your phone, you've got the device, though, you lose your phone, press a button on the device, you find, you find the phone, even if it's on silent, it will chime, and that's is very important for those of us who put our phones on silent because we're podcasting all the time. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's the size of a coin and you just attach it to stuff. You can even attach it to your very important pets to keep them safe in a world where they might be very crafty, smarter than you even, and escape from their yards and run away. 
Um, so yeah, it uses crowdsourced GPS. So even if your lost items do end up miles and miles away, like a dog or a phone that you've left in an airport or something, I don't know your life, uh, you you will still be able to find it. There are <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, that just caught, it's caught okay. Me. It's a very good example, if I may say so myself. So there good. are over uh, 1.5 million, or there are yeah, no, over over 1.5 million devices like in the world out there. So it is super easy to find your item no matter where it ends up last time I, I talked about the beauty of tracking your power cords which i still think is like such a an underrepresented segment of things that are important to track because if you're like me and you leave them on many multiple different floors of your office building you can become very confused and then if somebody is like oh a power cord has been left here i'm gonna put it away you won't know where it is. You'll never find it again. You need tracker on that thing so you can track it down from wherever somebody tried to clean up and bring it back and charge your laptop that died three days ago. Tracker! Never lose your <laughs> possessions again. Whoa, Simone. Yes. So I, I I, want you to send, I need a tracker and I don't know who I, I need, need to, to talk to I need to send one to you. There. I'm so sorry. I'm Please hoarding do. them all. Okay, okay. I'm going to, I need this because we got a new couch recently. So, so you recently, can't find your couch? Your house is a little bit. We found my couch, but the your Apple, couches. the new TV, the new Apple TV remote keeps getting lost no. in the couch. So we keep like losing it. And I don't know if like it's under the couch or in the couch or what, but I want, I want a tracker to glue onto that. And I know it will break some Apple designers heart, but I need this. I need this right now. So, uh, yeah, Simone, like, you know, give it up. Like you that's have my spare dogs. You yeah. can just tape your Apple remote to a dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we'll do. You're like Rocky, you've got to sit in my lap for the next half that's hour right. while I watch yeah. this TV Come program. Over here. Well, the problem with the new Apple TV is the dogs, because, you know, I don't <laughs> yeah, train my true. dogs not to jump on the couch or the coffee table or the kitchen table. And, you know, so they, uh, they're they always jumping on top of the Apple remote, which turns the TV on, which is very annoying. So, yeah, I need mm-hmm. this. They really, they, the Phil Schiller should really go back to the drawing table on those dogs. I agree with yeah. that. <laughs> so do you want this thing? If you want this thing, uh, you can go to thetracker.com. That is T-H-E-T-R-A-C-K-R.com and enter promo code ROCKET to get 30% off your order. That number is non-trivial. Thank you so much to Tracker for your support of the show and Relay FM. Tell me the important thing, Brianna. Okay, so I realize we need to like move on, but I do want to talk Never. about the home button a little bit. Right, this show is going on forever. <laughs> Glenn, I'm sorry. <laughs> tell your wife. I'm going to text your wife and kids that they're yeah, SOL. Yeah, tell your children um, that you belong to us now, Glenn. <laughs> I am Rockets. Yes, I'm Team Rockets. First day of school, to my Rocket. <laughs> so, um, you know, I I have the new MacBook, right? The, the, the one with the USB-C jack, and... I have grown to accept the keyboard, but I am never going to love the trackpad with haptic feedback. I just don't think it's as good. I've given it months and months and months and months of of test. And, you know, I was kind of blindsided. Can we say that? Blindsided. I was kind of shocked by the the loss of, um, you know, the physical home button today. You know, Gruber has talked about this in the past, has talked about how, you know, the clickiness of that button is so, so, so important. And, you know, they upgraded it massively in the last generation. Like if you go back to an iPhone 4S and click it, it's a POS. Um, so, I you know, today it's really bad, I think. Uh, but yeah, today they got rid of a physical home button. And it's another surface like the, um, you know, like the your Apple Watch or your MacBook trackpad. And it's um it's a virtual home button that just gives you vibrate vibration. If you do it, um, I cannot imagine loving this. And, you know, a lot of the early reports like the verge was saying it's terrible. Uh, Christina was, you know, I'll let her tell us on the show how she feels, but, you know, kind of reading into her comments in her, her article, she didn't seem in love with it. She seemed like she could accept it. Um, and I don't know. I'm just um, really concerned about this move. How do you all feel about that? I kind of. I've got a Mac. Actually, oh, yeah, you go first, Glenn. Sorry, because I'm, oh. I'm going to scroll down to my notes. <laughs> well, I've got a <laughs> I've got a 2015 uh, MacBook, and uh, I was surprised uh, how much like the haptic 
uh, feedback on the trackpad there. I thought I would hate it. I still cannot find anything that's actually worthwhile with the deep push, where yeah. like the, sort of the double push. But I remember the first day I got it, I had my older boy come over. I said, I said, Ben, click that. He clicks it. I said, that's not really moving. He's like, what? I'm like, nope, look. And we looked at it. He's like, it's not really moving. It just feels like it. And we we're messing with it. And I still have that sense. Like every once in a while, things misfire. And it doesn't feel like a click. And I'm like, whoa. And like, oh, yeah, I got to. And I think it's wearing out a little. It's only a year and a half old. I've already worn down the letters on the keyboard because I type so much. And uh, so I don't know. Like, it's that the trackpad's a big area. And the same thing with like a 3D touch on the phones. It's also a big area. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. I got to test it out. I'm making a lot of hypotheses, but everything I'm reading makes it sound like it might be a judgment problem. Or I know in Christina's article, she was talking about. There are settings of severity you can do, and I think she liked setting one. So it may be that the default is not going to be to everyone's liking or a lot of people's, and maybe that default changes. But I don't love – I love the physical feel of the button, and I know a mechanical thing is one more thing to go wrong, and they're taking it out not just – and I know haptic is also mechanical, but it's inside a sealed thing, and the button goes up and down, so stuff gets in there. Uh, I've had multiple phones which the home button's gone bad. I'm sure you all have. The sensor – no? What? Oh, really? Wow, it's like a I've had one where it got a little gummy, but it wasn't unusable. I think my wife's had two, and I've had one where the home button just lost the ghost, and then even without Touch ID, you've got to – it's basically – it's not entirely unusable, but it's – really tricky. So I'm assuming Apple has all these spreadsheets about like part replacement and, and uh, you know, uh, continuing engineering. And I assume this popped up there is like, look, if we can move hot haptic there, we're going to shave, you know, 7% off our repair budget or whatever. <laughs> Maybe I'm being too pecuniary because I know they also want it from an aesthetic reason because they have this idea that everything should be moving towards a haptic feel instead of mechanical clicks, but still. Mm-hmm. My, my feeling on it, actually, I, I've been gradually coming to not despise the home button, (laughs) but I definitely like to me, it is annoying to double click and I do it all the time. And every time, like every, every so often I'm like, God, it's just such an annoying effort for my thumb to have to make. And I've got like all kinds of carpal tunnel and my hands hurt and stuff. I'm tired of this. The idea of being able to adjust the sensitivity is awesome to me. I'm not sure like the the way Christina described the, the vibration of it. I'm not sure I will like that, but mm-hmm. I would do almost anything to move away from double tapping or double pressing the, the physical button. So for me, this is great. <laughs> I'm very pleased. <laughs> did you just snort awesome. laugh? I did you just snort laugh? I'm so glad. Simone, I made Glenn Fleischman snort so laugh. I'm going to tweet oh, about yeah. it. Yep. I, so I, I, just, I agree with your depth of feeling about this is the thing. Thank you. Thank you. Glenn, Glenn I love that you use the word pecuniary. That was wonderful. I didn't even like. Yeah. I was just like. I didn't yeah. know what it meant. I had to look it up. So I'm gonna thanks. look it up I right got, now. We got a filling, a filling guest, and I learned a new vocabulary word. The, the secret the about Glenn oh. is that the more tired I get, the longer the words I use. For some reason, <laughs> the simple words escape me. And when I get tired, I start using more and more ridiculously long words. Well, right, no one will right, call you on it if you get it exactly. wrong. We'll just be like just Glenn. Oh my gosh, making such good points. <laughs> All right, so before we move on to the final thing here, I just want to know one thing. Uh, what color are you going to get when you eventually oh, upgrade? this is the war. The war? Well, how so? Oh, because I, I think I know that you like jet black. I don't usually like black. I hate space black. I think it's a color for suckers. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though my MacBook is that color. Um, but I've, I, I've given Rose Gold a go. I've I've given it a fair shake, and I just hate it that depending on the light, I don't know what my iPhone looks like. Is it <laughs> going to be copper today? Is it going to be hot pink? I don't know, and this is distressing and confusing to me. So um, I know that Apple has put a special warning out that's super, um, you know, like it's going to scratch up. Um, but you know, for me, um, I and maybe this just makes me weird. But there's nothing I love more than a piece of technology that you really use and you really depend on that, you know, it doesn't look like it just rolled off the showroom floor. Like it looks like it's been used and loved and, 
you know, it's like the Millennium Falcon wouldn't look better if it was shining and, you know, perfect. Like it looks better, like it's the beaten up monster that it is. And <laughs> you know, like my, my Mac case, uh, you know, for my purse, I have like a, a leather uh, messenger bag that's Indiana Jones style that, you know, I put my MacBook in and it's scratched and beat up and I love it. So, um, I don't know. To me, uh, you know, I'm fine with the higher price. You know, for something I use as often as my iPhone, I don't think a hundred dollars really matters. Um, and I'm gonna give it a go. Like the grip is also supposed to be better. What about you all? Okay, so I I'm I'm still <laughs> I am still on train rose gold, but I have this really deeply unfortunate confession, which is I mean I I love pink. I love pink a lot, obviously. But I also really love the color gold. And I, I've been maybe subconsciously accessorizing with gold things. I bought a gold purse. My new sunglasses kind of have goldish beige rims. I have gold rings. Uh, I've wanted a gold MacBook forever. I'm not going to get one because, like I said, I have a gold purse. And this is why I feel like I can't buy the gold iPhone, even though, like, all of my soul is singing for it. But at a certain point, I think you reach gold saturation and you have to step back and be like, what is the message I am sending out here? That you're better than everyone around you. I do. And that's why I need everything that I own to be gold. Despite the fact that based on my complexion and the BS rules that we apply to these things, I should be wearing silver all the time. I refuse. I am all gold all the time. So if I, if I did get a different color besides rose gold, it would be gold. And if I didn't get either of those beautiful shiny things... It would be the matte black, I guess, not the jet black, which looks <gasps> shiny and tacky. <laughs> tacky. I said oh, it. I, the gold oh, lover, said it. Oh, um, okay. Glenn, you got to top it. Yeah, I'm done. You got to well, top that. I, you can't. I got to lay another word it. down yeah. on you, though. I got to lay another okay, word down on it. you. So okay. when I heard the thing today, they were talking about a black that was blacker than black. It was sort of the way I came away with the jet black. <laughs> and it reminded me of there's this um, sort of sci-fi series from the long ago by Gene Wolfe. Shadow of the Torturer, The Claw of the Conciliator. And there's this running thing in the books. It's He is a brilliant writer, like like very difficult almost to get through, but absolutely brilliant and bizarre. And there's this thing that happens. He said, one of the characters, they keep saying it all the time in the books until it is just a joke. Uh, the hue fuligin, F-U-L-I-G-I-N, which is darker than black, admirably erases all folds, bunchings, and gatherings so far as the eye is concerned, showing only a featureless dark. So I just like, they're saying Whoa. jet black. There's black and there's jet black. I'm like, fuligin. They should have called it fuligin. Um, I would probably prefer a matte black than a jet black. Because I like, yeah. I know, I know. Really? That's right. You like that yeah. space black color? I it's like, like the black I don't like it because it's it's waffling. It's not bold. It's like if you're going to be black, you're black like the freaking Knight Rider car from 1981 or whatever. But no, see, it like, looks like those really expensive credit cards that are like thicker than yeah. normal credit cards and they're completely like matte <laughs> yeah. and you hold one and you feel like I am rich. And that's the attraction of the matte black to me. And no, then the jet, no. although I did see a compelling, there was a very compelling tweet that was sent to me after I criticized the jet black, which is it's metal, but it looks like plastic. How cool is that? And to that, I say, uh, yeah, that uh, is pretty cool. That's pretty darn me, cool. Let me ask you this, Simone. Would you, do you think Darth Vader would be as iconic a character if his costume was <laughs> space, space gray? Okay, listen, film film is not the same as real life. You make choices. Also, his outfit is clearly made of plastic. And would, like many things in that Black world. Vader. Matt Black Vader. Oh thing. my god, I'm going to I'm going to ask Darth to photoshop Mad, Matt Black Vader. Mad Black. Right. Please, that's do. bad. Please do. Uh, oh Matt Black god. Vader. I'll do that right now. Anyway, we so, can call the episode Matt Black Vader. But yeah, um, I, I I don't agree. Okay, don't agree. well we will we'll fight about this enemies. in real yeah. life if we ever. <laughs> yes. Did you ha- did you want to talk about the Apple Watch or do you feel that we have reached we, a place? We'll wrap it up. We'll just say really quickly. Um, I don't think it's a big upgrade. Um, I use my Apple Watch a lot. I won't be buying this. Um, I. I I mean, that's it. Um, It looks like it's faster. um, But, you know, with it being the same thickness, I'm just not that interested in it. And, yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, Do either of you have any feelings beyond that? I I sold my Apple Watch after WatchOS. WatchOS 2 came out and I went, meh. I sold it. 
it just I I used it. I realized when I traveled, I actually liked it, but I don't travel that much anymore. And I found it incredibly useful when I was getting around places. But with my you know relatively fixed you know working a home office, traveling around Seattle, it just wasn't that handy. And uh, so when WatchOS two came out, I felt like. There's just not enough here for me. I'm I'm intrigued by Watch OS 3, but I don't wear a watch. I have my phone with me all the time, and I don't – I already have a – I like uh, the Fitbit 1. I really like – in fact, mine broke. I contacted Fitbit, and they're like, yeah, it's three years old. We'll send you a new one. It's like, what? I mean, wow. a replacement. I, they apparently do this because they want to keep you hooked because they know you're going to lose it or break it in a way <laughs> – like, if you lose it, you got to buy a new one. So – Apparently, they're very, very robust on their warranty policy. Uh, but the Fitbit One does altitude and steps for me, and that's kind of all I need from the fitness tracking yeah. part. And if I need GPS, I'll run an app on my uh, phone for walking or hiking or biking. See, so I I'm, I realize I, I still find the Apple Watch very sexy. I realize I really, with my lifestyle, don't need one. And then I went to the Apple Watch page to look. I, I was looking up colors because of our argument just now. And they have all these sexy new colors and bands since I last looked. And now I want one again because I'm shallow. <laughs> guys so but yeah no none, none of the actual stuff that they showed to me was like now i need it but uh the, these colors are doing that to me so i guess that's where my allegiance lies the, the white one is sexy the it is so sexy simone i want it i want it i want to know if it's lighter but that white one oh okay I just... shut up because gold aluminum oh, okay. case with toasted coffee caramel woven <laughs> nylon band is calling oh. my name right now did you okay. see the did you see the price of the ceramic version? No, oh. I didn't. How much is it? $1,249. Oh, well, it's not that sexy. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't need to play Pokemon Go that badly, nope. really, on exactly. a white watch. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I, I just feel like the Apple lowered its horizons with the watch that they started with lofty goals. Weren't sure. Like I was tweeting earlier today. I was like, you know, what I'm feeling right like now, seeing the the Series 2 watch and Watch OS 3 is that Watch 1, Series 1, retro named Series 1 watch and the first two S's are like, we're going to throw a bunch of stuff in a box and shake it around. And then you guys are going to get in there like rats <laughs> in a maze and try to figure your way out. And then we'll see the optimum path. And then we'll go and design for that. Because it felt like they're like, we have a bunch of hardware ideas. We have a bunch of software ideas. We don't really know. Oh, okay. Well, it's kind of a fitness thing. And all the stuff about all this integration all the things you're going to do, all the connections, they all seem to fall away. So developers will still be able to create those. But as we know, developers have not had great success with the first two OS releases of Watch uh, because it hasn't been that great an experience. Now, with the new one is better, maybe a new app ecosystem will evolve and extend as a result. But right now, I don't see – I feel like Apple said, "Uh, it's not really for that right now, so moving on. Yeah, that's kind of the way – that that would definitely make me want one more again is – new app functionality and stuff with the phone, but yeah. uh, should we? Okay. Yes, we did good. We did darn good. <laughs> Covered we did, a lot of stuff. We did. We All did. right. So Glenn, what are you up to this week? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm uh, actually, I've been testing uh, ironically or maybe not ironically, but in bad timing, I've been testing iPhone add on lenses and I'm just about to turn in a very, very long article with like 11 reviews and a main bar and several other bars about less articles about, Things And what's great is that the iPhone 7, because it's the same form factor and has effectively the same system, all the existing lenses should work fine in all the existing cases. So the iPhone 7 Plus will be a challenge. Some systems will actually work with it. There's like clip-on ones that will work, but um, I'm curious to see what these companies will do with that. But there's some really great uh, – across a huge price range of some really great lenses you can get that extend the capability of the regular wide-angle lens that's in every iPhone. So that's what I've been I've been working on that like crazy. Nice. Fantastic. What about you, Brianna? Well, we launched uh, Rev60 yesterday, which we're super yeah. um, happy about. Um, I do have to say, uh, Rocket listeners, um, you know, we knew this was coming. It's part of the reason it took so long to ship. Like, um, we put it out there, and as expected, Gamergate has done what Gamergate does. Um, you know, like, the uh, they've actually gone to our Steam reviews. They've really just decimated the games there. And, you know, Steam, uh, their forums aren't, aren't moderated. So if I go on to Polygon, say, and, you know, I dock Simone 
you know, like that's something that will be handled. Mm-hmm. Steam doesn't care, and the entire thing is just a nuclear nightmare. So, Ugh. any Rocket listeners that want to, if you're interested in playing the game and maybe review it, it would sure help us out. So, um, I'm dealing with all that this week. Um, I'm also really excited. I am going this weekend uh, to um, New Hampshire. And I'm going to be volunteering for the Clinton campaign and uh, writing a piece for Upworthy, which I'm very excited about. So um, kind of, you know, getting people involved in the uh, political process. Super awesome. Yeah, And I'm dropping a link to Ref60's Steam page in the show notes. So that will be easy to find. Awesome. Yay. So Uh, what are you up to this week? What am I? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I guess, like I said, uh, I made a website using Squarespace. So uh, one thing that I've kind of vaguely talked about on Twitter, but I write uh, in my personal time. And one of the things that I have been doing this past year is writing romance novels. And two of them have now been accepted to be published at less than three press, which I am so excited about. Yeah. uh, So yeah, I I was like, oh crap, I've got to make a website for that. Um, They're not coming out till 2017. Somehow I ended up having them like finishing them both and having them both be released in the same year. So that'll be really cool next year. Uh, And right now I'm just working on like going over edits with the press and everything. Um, For obvious reasons, like I'm not promoting this on my personal Twitter because people follow me for tech and games. And I feel like that's kind of like too much of a, uh, 90 degree or yeah, 180, just 90 degrees. Not that big a deal. 180 degree thing. Like I don't expect people to be interested in all of those things at once. And I don't want to clog anyone's feeds, but if you are interested in learning more about my personal writing, uh, writing queer romance novels, uh, you can find my website, which is Daria DeFour at squarespace.com. <gasps> and that's the last name DeFour Ooh. is spelled D E F O R E. I dropped the T because I was like, I'm going to, uh, the, the, the use of a pen name is to make it almost exactly like my real name, right? So I'll spell it D E F O R T. And my editor was like, they will pronounce it DeFort. And I was like, no. <laughs> so it's DeFour with an E. Fine, you win, America. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) Can I give a different opinion here, Simone? Yes. um, I mean, I think you should feel very free to to put that out there and talk about both ways. I mean, I think most people... Most people that know you and support you and like your work are not going to be shocked that you do this. And I think it just adds to the complexity of who you are. And I think it's, I think if this were 1916, maybe I'd have a different opinion, but (laughs) you know, writing queer romance novels these days is totally mainstream and God knows we need it done. Well, I was um, having dinner with a girlfriend the other night and just talking about how we don't have, um, you know, women written erotica that's good like we have to settle for like you know 50 shades of gray which is a steaming pile of garbage so um i don't know i i i think you should be proud of your work and um i don't know i think um i'm really excited to read it yay thank you so much yeah, I'm super excited for it to finally be done. <laughs> and then, of course, I was like, no new projects till January. And then I immediately mm-hmm. I was like, new new project, though. New project. Okay, so, uh, Brianna, where can we find you online? Space Cat Gal. And Glenn. I am uh, often found at uh, glennf.com. G-L-E-N-N-F-Lake-Frank.com. I'm putting that in the show notes, too. And I am on Twitter at Doom Quasar. My videos are on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash polygon. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, you should totally give us a review. Um, you could even set up a Squarespace site to like compile all the reviews of Rocket in like a portfolio or something. All your personal reviews of Rocket. Just like show off how much you love us. But do leave a review. We love it. Um, I don't know what that segue was. Whatever. It's fine. This episode is terminated. <laughs> terminated. Glenn, say terminated. Glenn, Glenn say terminated. Terminated. Yes! terminated. <laughs>